your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 227 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Check. We've got a special Saturday edition for you guys here today. Uh, wasn't able to get to an episode yesterday, but making it up today with the fifth and final episode of the week. And I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about yesterday's general manager meetings. They were just talking about some of the issues facing the league as it pertains to, you know, potentially having an 82-game regular season for this upcoming campaign. Also, definitely going to be getting into the situations surrounding Ryan Strom and Brandon Lemieux. They are both, of course, restricted free agents for the New York Rangers, and thus far, neither player has re-signed with the team. So we're going to kind of look at where everything stands with Strom, with Lemieux, and if the Rangers can fit them in underneath the salary cap or if a trade might be necessary. But going to start with the general manager meetings once again they occurred yesterday afternoon and first of all you know we're gonna go through some of the biggest takeaways here but the first big news is that the winter classic which typically occurs on new year's day will be postponed i know there was some thought like are they gonna just start the season because you know right now the target opening date for the nhl season is january 1st new year's day and so the question was kind of out there among hockey fans like okay so is the nhl just going to actually start the season with a winter classic which would actually be kind of cool if they did but unfortunately no uh, it has been postponed this year the winter classic was supposed to be the minnesota wild hosting the st louis blues at target field which is where the twins play and it's funny that this news drops just now because we recently in our last couple of episodes had kevin labella from comcast join the show and we were kind of wondering what it's going to be like for the all-star game for the winter classic are these events going to happen are you going to do the winter classic in an empty baseball stadium it wouldn't really make any sense to do that uh because the entire point of doing the winter classic or the biggest point of doing it is to pack as many fans as possible into a baseball stadium, a football stadium, whatever it might be. You get 60 or 70,000 screaming fans in there. It's a great environment. It's very unique. It's very cool every season. Uh, so sadly, that will not be happening this year. No Winter Classic. It's really a bummer because it's an event that I think a lot of us look forward to every year. And, you know, I watch it every season. I don't know about you guys, but I watch it every single season, regardless of what teams are playing in the game. It's just a very unique event, and unfortunately, it's one that we're not going to be getting this season. Uh, it's disappointing, but it's also 100% understandable. Certainly, we don't want to see people getting sick with coronavirus still very much being a thing, and uh, the risk just isn't worth it right now. It just And to do it in an empty stadium, it would basically just defeat the entire purpose. So you can certainly understand uh, why the NHL has decided to not go ahead with the Winter Classic on New Year's Day this year. But, you know, fingers crossed that New Year's Day 2022, we can see the return of the Winter Classic. Because like I said, it's one of the coolest events on the NHL calendar. And I think it's a game that we all look forward to watching every season. And a little bit of a tangent coming up here, I can tell you already, because Anytime I mention the Winter Classic, we always got to take a quick trip down memory lane with the Rangers because they have twice competed in the Winter Classic, and they won both of those games. Uh, the first was a great game, 2012. The Rangers travel to Philadelphia. They take on the Flyers at Citizens Bank Park where the Philadelphia Phillies play. The Rangers 
fall behind 2-0 in that game. They rally for three consecutive goals. Michael Rupp, of all people, scored late in the second period, and then he tied the game with a goal early in the third. Uh, Brandon Prust and John Mitchell each had assists on both of Rupp's goals. And then Brad Richards, at 521 of the third period, he scores what turns out to be the game-winning goal, assist coming from Brandon Dubinsky and Ryan Callahan on that play. And then the part that I think a lot of us remember, it's certainly the part that stands out to me the most in that game. Uh, late in the game, Flyers pull their goalie, and Ryan McDonough's down in the crease. He's trying to block the shot, and instead, uh, the ref calls him for a penalty for supposedly covering the puck in the crease with 19.6 seconds remaining. That means the Flyers, not only do they get a penalty shot, but they get to decide which player on the ice takes the penalty shot. They go with Daniel Briere. And Lundqvist, naturally, you know, he's in his prime at the time. He stones Briere. The Rangers go on to win that game 3-2. Nice come from behind win over a division rival. So that was the Rangers' first winter classic. They also played the Buffalo Sabres just two years ago, in fact, at City Field in 2018. Uh, the Rangers were technically considered the away team for that one, but either way, they defeat the Sabres 3-2 in overtime. The Rangers went up 2-0 in the first on goals by Paul Carey and Michael Grabner. The Sabres tie the game with goals by Sam Reinhart and Rasmus Ristolainen. And then uh, JT Miller, 2:43 into the overtime period. He scores on the power play to win the game. Assists on that play go to Kevin Shattenkirk and Matt Zuccarello. So like I said, a little bit of a tangent there. But man, we can't talk. This is the Lockdown New York Rangers podcast. We can't talk about the Winter Classic without bragging about the fact that the Rangers are 2-0 at the event uh, since it began back in 2008. And, um, you know, as we mentioned briefly to shift gears a little bit here, the All-Star Weekend has also been postponed. It was scheduled for January 29th and January 30th at BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida, the home of the Florida Panthers. The writing was kind of on the wall here. I mean, I know MLB canceled its All-Star game this past season, and you know, you think about all-star games, they're fun, but they're ultimately meaningless. It doesn't affect the standings. Uh, in baseball, we had that weird, I don't know, it's like five or six years where the winning league of the all-star game would get home field advantage for the World Series for its league, which was really strange. Uh, the only thing stranger is the fact that they used to just alternate home field advantage in the World Series before that. Took them some time. They finally got it right. You know, now it just goes to the team with the best record, but for a while there, the MLB All-Star Game actually had some meaning. It actually gave home field advantage in the World Series to the winning league, probably for the best that they got rid of that. But again, you get the point. The All-Star Game doesn't really count for anything. And it's always a very fan-centric event. And if you're going to have an empty arena or a mostly empty arena, I mean, we'll see what happens. I know that obviously in baseball right now, if you look at the playoffs, the NLCS and now the World Series have each had a limited amount of fans at these games. So that's been cool to see. Hopefully everybody's staying safe and, uh, you know, being smart and taking the proper precautions. But if you're going to have uh, a hockey arena that's completely empty or 80% empty or 75% empty, whatever it's going to be, uh, then there's not really that much of a point in doing the All-Star Game. The All-Star Game in hockey or in any sport, really, it's a very fan-centric event. And the game, it's going to lose a little bit of its charm if there's no one there to see it. So with all that said, uh, the NHL is still targeting January 1st as the start date for the upcoming season. They still want to play 82 games. We will see if they can pull it off. It sounds like a lot of topics are very much up in the air as far as how is this going to happen. Again, I don't think there's any way possible you can ask these players to be away from home, to be away from their family, to be away from their friends, to be away from basically the world at large uh, for you know six months playing 82 games of the regular season and then however many rounds in the playoffs. Uh, that's just too much. We'll see if they look to split the season into sections. It sounds like everything is very, very much still up in the air this season. We'll also see what happens with preseason games. You know, Again, the NHL looking to start the regular season on January 1st. We'll see if we get some preseason games in December. I would imagine maybe they'll do 
fewer preseason games than usual. I think you got to do at least one or two at the very least to get these guys ready, to get their legs under them, and, uh, you know, just be used to playing NHL hockey again and reduce the risk of injury when the regular season starts. You don't want to just dive right into the regular season and have all these guys going full bore, pedal to the metal. You need a couple of preseason games to kind of uh, work your way back into it. But definitely looking forward to some hockey whenever the puck drops. Another topic that was discussed at the general manager meetings is how the NHL draft lottery should work going forward. Uh, Currently, the 15 teams that do not make the playoffs all have a chance at one of the top three picks, and the NHL has actually asked the general managers to submit suggestions for changes. So I'm not sure if a new format is forthcoming, but the Rangers, uh, they got themselves a number one pick just in time because it sounds like there could be some alterations to how the draft lottery works in future seasons. And the current format does seem a little bit unfair. I mean, I know they don't want teams to tank for the first pick, but I mean, look at the Red Wings from this past season. It's one of the worst seasons in NHL history, and they end up only getting to pick fourth, and in fact, there was an 80% chance that they indeed would pick fourth. And meanwhile, the Rangers, who made the qualifying round of the playoffs and seemed to have their franchise trending in the right direction, they end up getting to pick first. So uh, I think it's definitely worth a review there. Again, we'll take it. Look, that's the system that everybody agreed to. That's the system that's been put in place as far as the draft lottery is concerned. And the Rangers, they got lucky this season. They end up picking first. We get Alexi Lafreniere. That's awesome. But yeah, I think it's definitely worth a little bit of a review uh, going forward. You could just do it the way the NFL does it, where the worst team picks first, the second worst team picks second, so on and so forth. I know, again, you know, tanking could become something of an issue there, but I don't know. I have a hard time believing that hockey players would just completely phone it in and basically just not care because they want their team to pick first. I don't think hockey players are wired that way, although by that same token... You could have a situation where certain front offices would sort of punt on a season, uh, put together a weak roster, and hope that the team just doesn't win very often, and they end up getting the first overall pick, especially if they know that there's going to be a player, uh, a generational talent, going first overall, as there was this past year in Alexi Lafreniere. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. A couple other quick notes before we move on here. There is also talk about the possibility of an extended training camp for the seven teams that did not make the 2014 playoff tournament this season. I think that makes sense. Fair is fair. Those teams haven't played any hockey since March. And then you have teams like the Lightning and Stars who played from the end of July all the way to the end of September. And that doesn't even take into account, you know, returning for training camp and all that good stuff as well. So again, fair is fair. I think it makes total sense to permit the seven non-playoff teams a little extra time to get ready for this upcoming season. I mean, even if the NHL season does start on January 1st, you're looking at almost 10 months these teams have gone without playing any hockey. So yeah, absolutely the seven non-playoff teams give them a little bit extra time to get ready for this upcoming season. And one other item of note here, the AHL plans to start its season on December 4th 
And if that's the case, uh, get ready for some more Hartford Wolfpack discussions on this show because we're about to get into the portion of the offseason here where I think everything kind of slows down a little bit. We've gone through the draft. We've gone through free agency, all that good stuff. But, you know, there is a little bit of a lull there. So if the Hartford Wolfpack start playing, uh, we'll be talking about them quite a bit, especially if they're playing, you know, before the NHL starts, which certainly seems like it's going to be the case. And, uh, hey, you know, I'm not too far from Hartford, so... Uh, maybe I would even consider attending a game or two if, A, they allow fans into the arena, and, B, obviously there's some safety precautions in place. Uh, the AHL has not yet announced its schedule, but we will definitely keep our eye on that going forward. And like I said, you know, this might turn into the uh, Locked on Hartford Wolfpack podcast for a little while if the AHL indeed starts its season on December 4th. All right, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Ryan Strom and Brandon Lemieux, obviously the two highest-profile uh, Ranger free agents who have still not re-signed with the team, and... Unfortunately, the update is that there's not really that much of an update as far as, you know, is a deal imminent? Are deals falling apart? There's nothing like that, one extreme or the other. Uh, there is a report from Anthony Skultor of Forever Blue Shirts that the Rangers and Ryan Strom are nearing a one- or two-year deal. Uh, Strom's arbitration date is scheduled for the 5th of November, and according to the report from Forever Blue Shirts, negotiations are ongoing between Strom and the Rangers. I do think it's going to be tricky with Ryan Strom because... The Rangers have about $10 million in cap room, but it's really more like $7 million due to the Rangers potentially having to pay performance bonuses to their young players. So basically, you've got about $7 million to play around with here if you're the Rangers, and the question becomes, can you get Strom and Lemieux both signed for a combined $7 million or less? It seems doable, but it could be a little bit tricky. Uh, first of all, Ryan Strom even coming into this offseason, we were well aware of this fact. He might be the Rangers' most difficult player to gauge right now, or at least of everyone who was a restricted or unrestricted free agent, he certainly is, because which is the real Ryan Strom? Is he the guy who took the bull by the horns and stepped up to become the second-line center, played on the power play, uh, came up with 18 goals and 41 assists, played a role in helping Artemi Panarin emerge as an MVP candidate, or was this past season a little bit of a fluke where his numbers inflated by playing with Panarin? And is he the guy who, before last year, had only one season with more than 35 points? And as usual, you know, the truth probably lies somewhere between the two extremes. But I do think Strom's chemistry with Panarin is very palpable. It's very real. Anyone who watched the Rangers play hockey, anyone who zeroed in on that line, you could see it. Uh, they just, they were always on the same page. They set each other up for some beautiful goals last season. And we could talk about how Panarin's presence inflated Strom's numbers all we want, but it takes two to tango. The chemistry was very real. And that's why I want Strom back on this team next season. And the other issue, and this is huge, is the Rangers are thin at center. We've been talking about that all offseason. Well, they're going to get even thinner if you take Ryan Strom out of the equation. And then who centers the second line next season if Ryan Strom is no longer there? That's one of my biggest concerns and one of the biggest reasons why I think you've got to do everything you can to get Ryan Strom back in the picture next year. Because, I mean, I don't know. What are the alternatives? Do you guys want to throw Philip Heedle on the second line? I like Heedle, don't get me wrong, but he's still very young, just 21 years old. He's still very streaky. You know, he kind of goes hot and cold throughout a season and do we really want to say to Philip Hedl next season, hey, kid, Artemi Panarin's coming off of an MVP season, MVP caliber season at least. Get out there and don't screw it up. No pressure. I mean, in some ways, you know, we're still trying to figure out if Hedl is a center or a winger. He's still very much finding his way in the NHL. Still a work in progress. And he didn't even make the opening night roster last season. Has Philip Hedl made such a significant jump in the past year that he's going to go from not making the opening night roster one year to centering Artemi Panarin's line the next season? Probably not, and I don't want to put that kind of pressure on Filipino either. Now, it's entirely possible 
the Hedo grows into that role in due time, but I just don't think he's there yet. And that's why it makes all the sense in the world for the Rangers to give Ryan Strom a one- or two-year bridge deal, keep him in the fold, don't mess with success, let's give Strom a chance to prove himself, let's see if he can show us that he's the real deal. Uh, is last year the type of production that we can expect out of Ryan Strom going forward? Or do his numbers regress to the mean a little bit? And, you know, personally, I think a one- or two-year deal worth about $4.5 million a season, I don't think that's unfair for either side. I think that makes a lot of sense. Slot Ryan Strom back in there with Panarin, Give him the raise that he absolutely deserves, and let's see if Panarin and Strom can work their magic again. You know, Strom, he's coming off of a two-year deal that paid him an average of $3.1 million per season, so moving him up to $4.5 million would be a pretty substantial pay raise. He's earned it with the season that he's coming off of. I do think $4.5 million is appropriate for Ryan Strom, but let's say it ends up being a little bit higher than that. The Rangers have to pony up the dough a little bit, given the excellent season that Ryan Strom just had. Let's say he ends up getting $5 million a year. If you're the Rangers, that still leaves you with about $2 million to try to re-sign Brendan Lemieux, which, of course, leads me into talking about Brendan Lemieux. When free agency began, I really thought that Lemieux was about as safe of a bet as anyone as far as who's going to be back on the Rangers next season. Out of all the free agents, all the unrestricted free agents, all the restricted free agents, it seemed fairly simple and fairly certain that Brandon Lemieux would be back just because he seems to have found a home here. He seems to really enjoy being a Ranger. And frankly, he's not going to be that expensive to keep, or at least I didn't think so. I mean, you're looking at, take the Jesper Foss situation, for example. The Rangers passed on re-signing him, obviously, but Jesper Foss ends up with just a $2 million a year deal with the Carolina Hurricanes over three years. Now, if Jesper Foss is only getting $2 million a year, I don't think Brandon Lemieux is going to be above that, do you? I mean, is Brandon Lemieux a better player than Jesper Foss? He's a little bit younger, but I think Jesper Foss is somebody who's certainly a lot more established in the NHL than Brandon Lemieux is, so I can't imagine Lemieux is going to get more than $2 million, and if he does, then the Rangers really might as well have just brought back Jesper Foss instead of Lemieux, and that's nothing against Lemieux, but again, Jesper Foss, a far more established player in this league to date. And Lemieux is coming off of a one-year deal with the Rangers that paid him just $925,000, so I think a raise is in order. You know, I think he'll get more than that. I think he'll get into the seven-figure area. This past year was Lemieux's first full season with the Rangers. He skated in 59 games, scored six goals, notched 12 assists, dished out 164 hits, blocked 52 shots. But with Lemieux, you know, it's not really about offensive prowess. It's about playing physical, being a pest, messing with your opponents a little bit, playing with some grit, and, you know, just helping the Rangers establish a tone. Uh, it seems like if he is brought back, he could be ticketed for the fourth line, although playing on the third line isn't out of the question either. He can play himself into a bigger role. We've seen that with the Rangers. Guys can play themselves up and down the lineup based on just how they perform on a nightly basis. But to me, Brian Lemieux, he just represents a nice, affordable depth piece if you're the Rangers. I see no reason why you can't shell out uh, $1.5 million, $1.75 million, maybe even $2 million to retain Brian Lemieux on a short-term deal. The other thing that makes it so strange that Lemieux has not been re-signed yet is he's even said in interviews, you know, going back a couple of weeks now, that he believes that a deal with the Rangers is close. So I do wonder if maybe the Rangers are looking to try to figure out a new deal with Ryan Strom first and then see what they have left for Brennan Lemieux. And that could make some sense if the Rangers feel that Strom is the bigger priority. Uh, Lemieux's arbitration date is actually set for November 6th, which is the day after Ryan Strom. Although if the Rangers, you know, if they can't get something done with Ryan Strom and, and they just stonewall each other and it ends up going to arbitration, then maybe at some point you just pivot to Brennan Lemieux and you see if you can get a deal hammered out with him. You bring him back, like I said, maybe somewhere in the $1.75 million range, maybe even go up to $2 million if you have to. I'd be a little less inclined to go up to $2 million 
with Brandon Lemieux if Ryan Strom is still unsigned because that obviously limits your flexibility with Ryan Strom, and you know it's a really tight, tight fit there as far as getting both these guys resigned. I would rather resign Ryan Strom first, figure out how much you have to give him, and then you have X amount of dollars left to resign Brandon Lemieux because that's basically it. I don't think the Rangers are really going to do anything else in free agency. I don't see them, you know, going out and adding. You know, I know like. Mike Hoffman is still out there. There's a couple other good players who are still out there. But I think right now, the Rangers' attention is exclusively on getting their own guys re-signed. And we're basically down to Ryan Stroman, Brian Lemieux here. So in a perfect world, maybe sometime over this weekend, the Rangers hammer out a deal with Ryan Strom. They bring him back at about 4 or $5 million a year for one or two years. And then you can turn your attention to Brian Lemieux and you get him signed for you know, maybe as much as $2 million. I mean, that seems a little high for Brandon Lemieux to me, but if he's your last player and you need to get him signed and you're not going to do anything else anyway, then why not? Might as well give him $2 million a year. It's certainly not a move that's going to handcuff you moving forward. But yeah, I mean, I'm all for bringing back both these guys. Look, Brandon Lemieux, uh, again, it's not about offensive fireworks. He plays the game within the game out there. He's going to get into the heads of his opponents. He's going to stick up for his teammates. Uh, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty, go to the dirty parts of the rink. And you do need a few players like that to bring that grit night in and night out. And here's hoping that Brandon Lemieux ends up sticking with the Rangers at least into next season and maybe beyond. Maybe he ends up with a two-year deal. We will see what happens. One other little piece of news that I just wanted to mention real quick here at the end is that Vitaly Kravtsov scored a goal in his return to action with Tractor of the KHL. Uh, Kravtsov missed seven games with an undisclosed injury, but he came back, scored in his first game back. It was a beautiful goal. Uh, he goes in up the left wing, basically uh, weaves his way around an opponent, takes a shot. The goalie makes the save, but the rebound kind of bounces into the air and goes to the other side, the far side of the net. Kravtsov followed it all the way and uh, scored off of his own rebound, tucked it in from kind of a tough angle and uh, scored a game-tying goal there. And he's obviously playing great hockey with Tractor. That's great to see for the Rangers. Hopefully things indeed work out for Vitaly Kravtsov and the New York Rangers going forward. Obviously, we know it didn't work out with Leas Anderson, another early uh, top 10 overall pick who was traded, but... Hope remains for Vitaly Kravtsov, and the more he can score and the more he can light up the stat sheet with Tractor of the KHL, I think it just uh, it's obviously a good thing for the Rangers, and it obviously bodes well for his prospects going forward. Uh, Kravtsov now has seven goals and two assists in his first 12 games with Tractor uh, so far this season in the KHL. But that will do it for today, guys. We will continue to track all of free agency, really. You know, maybe we'll even take a look at some other teams around the league and some teams that are winners and losers of free agency. That's something that we can talk about uh, next week. We will obviously keep tabs on the Ryan Strom and Brian Lemieux situation. Uh, their arbitration dates are not until November 5th and November 6th, respectively. So the Rangers still do have some time to hammer out a deal with either or both guys. But that's going to be uh, kind of the biggest story surrounding the Rangers going forward, I think, you know, into next week and maybe even the week after. Uh, if and when and for how much money they re-sign Ryan Strom and Brian Lemieux for. So I would love to see both guys back. You guys let me know what you think as well. Uh, the only other announcement, I haven't really been talking about this uh, all that recently because we've had just packed shows where we've had a lot to get through. But once again, uh, we are doing the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League next season. I will set up the league once it gets a little bit closer. I don't think these websites are even set up for fantasy hockey for next season just yet. It's just a little bit too early. But I've heard from a lot of you guys, we are definitely into double digits at this point. So we have enough for a fantasy league. If you have emailed me or tweeted me or sent me a DM on Twitter, uh, rest easy. Your spot in the fantasy league is secure. If you have not done that, then I highly, highly recommend you email me or DM me on Twitter very soon because the league is starting to fill up. I welcome as many people into this league as possible, but we will have to cap it at a certain point. So yeah, 
reach out, secure your spot right now. You send me an email right now as you're listening to this, or you send me a DM on Twitter, your spot will be secure. So yeah, go ahead and do that right now if you want to play some fantasy hockey next season. Definitely looking forward to it. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you would like to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.